It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Max the Magnificent, Elder is struggling, and who will lead in tackles? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Check us out, too, on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, Max Freed came back to the fold on Friday to pitch the opening game of the series against the Chicago Cubs in a series that did not go very well for the Atlanta Braves, but that was not Max Freed's fault because he came back after literally one day away from having pit having a three-month gap in between starts. And he came back to pitch against the Cubs and was absolutely magnificent. Six innings, three measly singles, did not give up a run, didn't give up a walk with eight strikeouts. And now for the year, by the way, too, he's lowered his ERA to a buck 69. In fact, he's only given up runs in two of the six starts that he's had this year. So again, not a big sample size by any stretch, but the fact that literally a three-month gap in between starts that he had and he came out and was magnificent and did exactly what the Braves needed to do, unlike some of their other starting pitching over the weekend or some of their starting pitching here of late. And look, we talked about this is not about winning the division for the Braves at this point. The, the, the division is a joke, and, and the division is so far out of hand. I mean, again, there's not a chance in the world that Philadelphia or the Mutts or the fishnets have any chance to win this division, but you're thinking the longer game and you're thinking the bigger game. And when you look at lineups like the Dodgers who have traditionally had a heavy lefty presence in their lineup, a heavy lefty bat presence in their lineup, this is about the big picture. And Max Fried showed you that he's an ace, even if it's just one start and we don't know what the end result is going to be or what have you. The fact that he came out three months after having made his last start and gave you that kind of effort, three measly. And by the way, too, say what you will about the Cubs, but they had been the highest scoring offense in the league after the all-star break. So they had figured some things out. I think it was, they'd won 11 of 13 or something like that. Um, But their offense had been clicking over this last you know month or so here since the all-star break. And they were figuring some things out. And Max Fried went in there on the road, by the way, too, and just went into that ballpark. And again, a ballpark that is very hitter friendly, you know, especially if the wind is blowing out, very hitter friendly. 
and just shut that Cubs lineup down. And it says a lot about the moxie and the idea. Look, I've said before, Max Freed is the best left-handed starter in baseball. And there, there's going to be a real decision coming up here in the next year plus about what the future for Max Freed is going to hold. Because if he continues to pitch like this, and I'm not saying <clears throat> he's going to shut everybody out, but again, you look at a guy who can come in and give you 25, 30 starts with a sub three ERA, give you 170, 180 strikeouts, eat up some innings for your ball club and do the things that he has done. And oh, by the way, as a left-handed starter, that notion of the Braves not wanting to pay anybody over $22 million a year, AAV, uh, that's going to go out the window. That 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 number is hasta lasagna, don't get any on you. Because he's going to command a king's ransom. And look, maybe the Braves at the end of the day won't sign him. Maybe they look at and say, hey, look, we can make do with our starting pitching over the next couple of years. You know, Morton will probably be gone by that time in a couple of years. You know, we can live with Schuster and Dodd and Strider and Elder and, you know, potentially Michael Soroka if he can get back on track. That Maybe they look at all of that, you know, for the long term. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, and I'm not saying that that's the way that they need to pursue this thing, but the decision is going to come very quickly where at the end of next year, this decision is going to have to be made. If I'm the Braves, I try to extend Max Freed over the wintertime, even if it's not for 10 years, you know, again, and that that's going to be the thing is, is the AAV going to be really high for Max Freed or is the length of the contract going to be really high? Like that's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up falling in all of this. But still, I, I would, even if it's a short-term deal, I, I would give the idea of Max Freed a, a contract extension and try to sign him. Because again, I would hate to see the Braves lose the best left-handed starter in Major League Baseball. You know, first baseman can be replaced. Even shortstops can be replaced. But you can't easily replace, and we're going to talk about Bryce Elder here in just a few minutes. You can't easily replace quality starting pitching. It's just not that easy to just go to your farm and grab the next guy. Guys take time to develop. Rookies that come up are going to struggle. Even if they get off to hot starts, they're going to struggle. Not everybody is Spencer Strider. And by the way, Spencer Strider's had plenty of struggles this year. You know, his home run total is about three times the rate that it was last year. He's given up almost three times as many homers <clears throat> as he did in all of last year. Guys catch up. Guys adjust. And, and when you have a high-caliber calling start, when you have an ace on your staff, you don't want to give that up very easily. And so that's why the decision is going to be fascinating to see what happens. But in the short term, he was magnificent on Friday. Can't say enough good things about him. Quality start and just what the doctor ordered because, again, this pitching staff has been a little bit up and down here lately. They've gotten beat around and bounced around and all this good kind of stuff. <clears throat> it's been a little bit of a struggle here lately for this pitching staff.
And the fact that Max came in and as a left-handed starter, who, by the way, they have not had many left-handed starts this year. Obviously, without without Freed in the in the rotation, there haven't been very many left-handed starts. So that's why that this is so important is just to give you that balance from lefty-righty. And certainly, again, like we talked about, lineups like the Dodgers that are lefty-heavy that you can throw Max Freed out there. And, and that's one of the reasons that they got brought bad, Brad Hand, I should say, is, you know, the idea lefties are only hitting a buck 43 off Brad Hand coming into, you know, his time here in Atlanta. So, again, having that lefty presence is a big deal. And the fact that the Braves have the best left-handed starter in baseball, certainly this is going to pay dividends come the long term. Again, not about the division. This is the division is over and it's a joke and the Phillies and the mutts and everybody like that. That whole thing is a joke right now. But this is about the long term. This is about matching up with the Dodgers or whoever in the playoffs. This is about the end game, right? You know, this is about the long term for this thing, getting ready for the playoffs. So hats off to Max Fried. What a magnificent performance. We'll see again what he does, you know, up next and, and through the rest of this season. But I have full faith and confidence that Max Fried not only is the best left-hander in baseball, but he's going to be a real key <clears throat> to this Braves rotation as we make our way through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And look, if you're going to bet on Major League Baseball, there's no better place to go than FanDuel Sportsbook where you can get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. So bet 20 bucks and get yourself as much as $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose. It's $200 you can spend on everything from betting on the money line to over-unders to who's going to hit the first home run. And it's all on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. So there's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So here's what you do. You sign up today and head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So we just talked about Max Freed and how well he's pitching right now. On the opposite end of that spectrum is Bryce Elder. Now, look, not going to beat up Bryce Elder too much here because he is basically a rookie. He only had 54 innings pitched this past uh, the, the, the season before, right? And he was thrown into, you know, some high leverage situations where the Braves needed some high-quality starts, okay? But Elder has made 22 starts this season, okay? So in his first 11 starts, which encapsulates which encapsulates uh, March, April, and May, it literally is a good dividing line, March, April, and May, he was 3-0 with a 192 ERA, and the league was hitting 236 against him. For the months of June, July, and August, where he just made a start here in August, he's five and three with a 507 ERA and the league hitting 251 against him. Now, here's the part that is concerning, okay? Is the fact that 
March, April, May, he had a 56 strikeout to 19 walk ratio. So 56 to 19 strikeout to walk ratio. In June, July, and August, that number is 36 and 22. So he's barely, barely above a, you know, one-to-one ratio, not even a one, one, I guess, one and a half, one to one and a half ratio, whereas he was almost three to one in the first few months of the year. So he's striking out less guys and he's walking more guys. And again, this is a pretty good dividing line because uh, March, April, May is exactly 11 starts. June, July, and this start that he made on over the weekend is 11 starts as well. So the ERA is almost three runs a game higher. Now, look, this is not uncommon for rookie pitchers, right? You, you, you see guys that, again, it takes an adjustment period to the league, right? You, you can come in and dominate right away and, and have lots of success, okay? But at some point, major league hitters, those guys are paid a lot of money. And, and they figure things out and, and and they come in and watch their video and make adjustments and all this kind of stuff. And they start to catch up to you. And, and the same thing is true of offensive players. There's always this cat and mouse adjustment that's going to take place over the course of a season or a career or what have you, that you come in red hot, then the league catches up to you. Then you have to adjust, you know, you, you, you adjust to them. They adjust to you. Then you have to go back and adjust to them. And look, I like Strider, or sorry, I like Elder a lot. I think he's one of the good young pitchers in Major League Baseball. He had a really good first half of the year where he was an all-star this year. And I have full faith and confidence that he can get this thing back on track. But again, these are bumps in the road that you're going to have with rookies. And that's why the importance of Max Freed, a veteran, being in this rotation down the stretch, more importantly, playoff time. Because again, look at where the rotation is. You know, right now, how would you set your rotation up? If you could pick your four pitchers, five pitchers, how would you set your rotation up? Okay. You would probably have Freed and Strider at the top of the rotation, and then Morton probably third, and then probably Elder as your fourth starter. And then whoever as your fifth starter, whatever, whatever combination of Michael Soroka, bullpen games, vagabonds, Jared Schuster, whatever you have at that point, that would be that. But right now, Elder with his struggles, you know, as the league is catching up to him and no real surprise. I mean, this this happens with rookie pitchers. But can you trust Elder come playoff time? Can you afford to pitch him come playoff time? Look, he made a lot of big starts for this club down the stretch last year, right? He was one of the reasons why they were able to squeak out the division and and find a way to win their fifth National League East title, and he was a big part of that down the stretch. Now it's a situation where, again, the division is not in doubt right now. There's There's no doubts about what the division is going to hold. It's not about that. It's about can Strider or can uh, sorry Elder can Elder get himself right and get himself back on track to what he was in the first couple months of the season or the first half of the season or what have you more specifically the first couple of months of the season because he was magnificent come 
March and April and May with a 192 ERA. But the batting average has gone up against him. And more importantly is the strikeouts are going down. The walks are going up. And he's not a dominant strikeout pitcher to start with. Again, he's not going to average Spencer Strider type of strikeout numbers. But when you look at the strikeout to walk ratio, that's concerning. That's that's the concern that, that you have is that, okay, he's striking out less guys. I can maybe live with that. But when you're walking more guys, eh, okay, that, that becomes problematic. You, know, you don't want to basically have a, a one-to-one strikeout to walk ratio. That's not necessary, especially in today's modern era of baseball where guys are willing to strike out at a religious rate when guys are willing to just give you outs without contact, that's not necessarily a good sign. So again, Elder is struggling, no doubt about it. You know, he's he's going through these bumps in the road that rookie pitchers have, right? I mean, all guys are going to go through all these things. Like, like I said, not many guys just come into the league and just completely dominate. And, and guys have to adjust and things like that, you know, to everything. But that's why the importance of Max Freed and getting him to be a consistent starter in this rotation sticks out even more. And, and again, right now with, you know, still the injuries and, you know, the flux of, you know, even Freed, you feel like you have to roll with Elder and, and you know, keep him in this rotation, even though that he has struggled pretty good here these last couple of months. So, Again, I'm on board with Elder. Um, you know, again, he's probably, you're probably looking at him as a fourth starter in the playoffs, what have you. Let's see if he can get back into that form. Because, again, long term, he's going to be a guy that's here. He's going to be a guy that's going to be in the rotation. Whatever happens to Morton, whatever happens to Max Freed, Elder's going to be a guy that is going to be part of this rotation long term. You know, Ian Anderson had his struggles and things like that, you know, as well. But you hope that these guys can overcome. You hope that these young guys can figure out a way to get this thing done and get themselves back on track. Because I think Elder's a really good pitcher, and he's obviously aided by a really good offense, and he's part of the long-term solution for the Atlanta Braves rotation. All right, as you go in and make Hitting Hard your first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We call them our everydayers, and we do thank you so much for being a part of our community and listening in five days a week to the uh, shows. We thank you so much for being a part of this journey that we've been on. So who's going to lead the Falcons in tackles this year? You know, one of the things that has always been a hallmark of the Falcons, even through the Dan Quinn era and, you know, now coming into Arthur Smith has been the idea of, you know, we've had one of those high-volume tacklers, right? Whether it's Deion Jones, whether it's Devondre Campbell, whether it's Foyer Oluwakin, you know, even Rashawn Evans last year was a guy who was a high-volume tackler. Do we have one of those guys on the roster this year? You know, certainly Troy Anderson is a guy that you look at and say could be that, but obviously, you know, he's a guy that's still coming into his second year, has a lot of question marks about him. You know, he's fast. He runs like a gazelle. You know, he can hit. He's physically capable, you know, of everything. But at times last year, he was lost on the football field. 
And again, that's not saying that that's not normal for, for rookies that, you know, are drafted, even guys that are drafted high, you know, and he was a second round pick, not even, not, that's not necessarily, you know, atypical of anything, but still it doesn't feel like that coming into this year, we have that volume tackling kind of player. And I wonder if it's going to be, because again, if you get past Troy Anderson, who's the high volume tackler on this team, Michael Walker, you know, Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, I, you know, again, I, I'm, you know, Lorenzo Carter, like there's not one of those guys that really sticks out to you. You know, I mean, again, it's one of those things that it's been sort of a hallmark of the Falcons organization that we've had one of those high volume tackling type of linebackers. And even if it was guys who weren't high draft picks and you know, Devondre Campbell, you know, Foyer Lewicott, I mean, it you didn't have to have high high uh, draft pick guys. You know, Deion Jones was was a high you know volume tackle guy. You know, as a high draft pick, but Foyer and Campbell weren't. So again, I I look and see where okay, who's going to make all the tackles on this team? Now, certainly, I don't want it to be one of our defensive backs. I don't want Jesse Bates or what have you to lead this team in tackles because that's not a good sign either. I'm not saying Jesse Bates isn't a good player, but the idea of my safety leading my team in tackles is a scary proposition because that usually means that there are guys way downfield that are, you know, torching our defense that if my safety has to lead the league or lead the team in tackles, that's not a good sign. But can Troy Anderson be that guy? You know, obviously we will see his growth and development from year one to year two. He certainly got the athleticism. And he's got the ability and he's got the speed and he's got the toughness and he's got the intensity and, and all that. I mean, high motor guy. I mean, we don't have a question about all of that. It's just his, you know, football acumen at times on the field because he was lost at times on the field. I mean, there's no other way to put it is that at times he was lost out there. And again, that happens. I'm not concerned about that that's growth and development. This is why that Dean Pease and Arthur Smith have been hesitant over the first couple of years of this regime to high volume play some of these rookies. And we'll see what Ryan Nielsen ends up doing now with, with the rookie class and all that, because that, that's going to be one of the other things that I'm going to be fascinated by as we you know move along through the season. And we won't know this until we get into the regular season, but, is Ryan Neal's defense or is his thought process the idea of playing rookies at a higher volume than what Dean Pease did, right? We heard that Dean Pease's system was tough to acclimate to, even for the veterans, let alone the rookies. That's why you saw Ebba Cady not play very much. That's why you saw Richie Grant only play about 20% of the snaps. That's why you've seen these guys in their first couple of years under Dean Pease's regime with Arthur Smith, that those guys did not play at a high volume rate. Now with Ryan Nielsen coming in, are, are things a little bit easier for guys to acclimate to? Can guys acclimate quicker to this defensive system? I don't know. I mean, we, like I said, we won't know that for a good while into the reg regular season. Like we're not going to know what that's going to be 
preseason, what have you. I mean, again, that's everybody plays during the preseason. We won't know till probably halfway through the year what this defensive scheme looks like, just as far as how do rookies acclimate to the system that Ryan Nielsen has in place. So I don't have an obvious, easy answer to tell you. Even last year, I, I said Rashawn Evans was going to lead you know the team in tackles. That came to pass. He led him in combination tackles, solo tackles. Like that wasn't really hard to come up with. But I don't really have an idea of who's going to lead this team in tackles. I think it can be Troy Anderson. I think it can be him. But I'm not 100% convinced. And if it's not Troy Anderson, who's the other linebackers that are taking over? Michael Walker, Lorenzo Carter. Like, are those guys that are high-volume tackle guys? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Michael Walker more maybe of a coverage guy than anything else. So we'll be interested to see just coming out the first several weeks who becomes that high-volume tackler for our defense. Who's that guy that accumulates the big tackle numbers when all is said and done? And does Ryan Nielsen throw his young guys into the mix very quickly, you know, after Dean Pease his first couple of years where guys did not see the field not nearly as often? We'll see. But, I mean, again, it's an interesting discussion to have as we move through the regular season. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen to is let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers, and we do thank you so much for being a part of this community and letting us know that you listen in five days a week to the show. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 